What's up, guys? We are excited for week five of our Leadership Academy. Uh, we are diving into Jeff Jansen's book, The Teammates Accountability Manual, and this is the fifth chapter. And this chapter is all about having your teammates back. So today we are back. We have Coach Gooey on today as we go into week five. How are you doing, Coach Gooey? Doing great. Very excited to get back at this. Um, as you know, we've spent uh, a couple of weeks kind of pivoting and changing course as we've all been in this uh, strange time where we're sheltering at home. And uh, we've been busy creating lots of stuff. And it's been an interesting time because we were initially planning to release this while our players were in their season and to support them through their um, journey with their team. And uh, it's been interesting to read it, read back on my notes and, and reread the, the fifth chapter and sixth chapter this week, um, knowing that our kids are actually not playing right now, but it still has so much validity. So I'm really excited to dive into this. So Jeff Jansen starts this chapter off, and I think it's a really kind of poignant way to start the chapter. And he starts it off by asking this question, and this is called the foxhole test, or this idea of, I've got your six. And what he's asking is, who are the teammates you would trust with your life if you found yourself in a life and death battle? Which in the world of lacrosse and youth sports and high school and college sports, we hope that our players aren't necessarily finding themselves in that situation. But it also really gives some perspective of how do my actions as a teammate, how have they impressed upon my team that I will or will not be able to have their back in an extreme situation. Yeah, I think we use these extreme situations, you know, thinking about if you were stuck on an island, what would you bring? You know, if you're at your funeral, what does your eulogy sound like? It, it puts us into this vortex of really trimming down maybe some of the unnecessary components and taking it to that extreme level, although it's unrealistic that on the lacrosse field, we're going to be in that type of a situation, it helps you really zoom focus in on the qualities of people that would have your back because it's different than a social structure. Every team is different on how they pick captains, some vote, and it's very much a social paradigm, you know, related to how people are interacting. And if you had to write down the people who really have your back, that's a whole different set of um, qualities and characteristics potentially than uh, popularity or social connection, right? Oh, for surely. And I think one of the things that, you know, the way he phrased it that had a lot of impact on me is not necessarily even, okay, who would I, you know, want in the foxhole with me, but really, um, am I someone who my teammates would want in the foxhole with them? So it really made me start to think like, what have I done? You know, what have I done to impress upon them that if they were in a dangerous situation, if they were in an uncomfortable situation, if they were in a situation where they felt like they needed help, would I be one of those teammates who they felt like they could rely upon? Um, and I think that that like the way he put it, you know, who would you trust in a life and death battle? I sat there and I started thinking about, you know, some of my players and some of my teammates and wondering Am I that kind of person who they would to? And for the people on my team or the people who, you know, play for me, the ones who wouldn't, is there something I have or haven't done to support them that would make it so that I was someone who they didn't feel like they could trust in that position? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting chat for us because I came at it from a different perspective. I was looking at it from a higher point of view on how this really affects the culture of a team. So. I think I'd like to reread this chapter uh, as a coach and a team member, you know, even the coaching staff or your athletic training staff, they're all on your team. So being a part of this team, I, you know, I love the way that you're thinking about that with, you know, where do I rank in here and with who and why? Um, and I looked at it more from creation of teams and, and which teams that I have been a part of as a coach that I thought this was really um, something that we did well. And other times, uh, really what struck me is there were t teams that I've worked with as a coach where I thought, boy, this was really what was missing. It's 
all of these, um, his, his 10 commitments uh, to have your teammates back were really some of the key points to what was turning a team in the wrong direction. For surely. And the way he set up this chapter was based around those 10 commitments. So we're going to go into those 10 commitments one by one, and we'll tell you which one we're on as we go. And really, he broke it up into 10 different things, and it's the 10 commitments of having your teammates back. So if you are doing these 10 things, you have you are displaying that you have your teammates back. You're not just saying, hey, I've got your back. You are acting in accordance with that statement. Um, and the first one he talks about and you know the very first commitment is we will sacrifice for you as we would ourselves and the way he explained this is he said it it means you are as fully invested in and excited about your teammates success as you are your own it means you will do everything you can not to let them fail because when they fail you fail what do you think of that yeah, I think there's uh, two components to that. There's the physical and the emotional component to it. Um, physically, you know, if we're better together is one of our themes that that we have in our club. And um, on the field, if I am elevating my game, then I'm elevating you. And uh, there's the physical things you can do on the field. And there's also the emotional. So for instance, if I'm on the sideline and I need to be fully invested in supporting whoever is on the field, um, I need to emotionally engage in that part of elevation. So we sacrifice uh, maybe how we're feeling at that time um, to make sure that we are there in a way that's really important to having your teammates back. For surely. And one of the things that I was, you know, just kind of thinking about it when I'm thinking about, you know, different people on a team. So what a sacrifice looks like can look different from person to person depending on kind of their roles and responsibilities within a team. And one of the things that I immediately thought of was this idea of, you know, what would a sacrifice look like for a starter versus a non-starter? So a starter's idea of sacrifice might be, I will put us up by a substantial lead. So that way my teammates who typically are, on the bench, their reserve players, their substitutes, I will bust my butt so that I can get those players in the game. Whereas that same sacrifice, but for someone who is not a starter, maybe it's someone who is one of those scout team players or reserve players, may have to have the mindset of, I will work as hard as I possibly can in practice, not because it's going to get me on the field, but because I want to prepare my teammates who are the starters to be as prepared as possible to beat our opponent. So we can only be successful against a team if I do my very best as a scout team member. Um, so I, but it certainly talks about showing up and showing up in your best way possible, ready to do whatever it takes for each other. For sure. And like having, having your teammates back in that situation of, you know, I will sacrifice for you with the same understanding that, yeah, you're willing to sacrifice for me. Of course I would do it for you is uh, something that's so, it's so neat and it's really awesome to see it when you see it lived by a team. You can really tell, you know, these people are not just invested in their own success, their own stat line, their own, you know, awards. They're invested in all of their teammates doing their best and doing well. So I always find that interesting when you see teams that really have this mentality of, yeah, absolutely, I will sacrifice for you because you're my teammate. And I was, like I said, when I was reading this, I was thinking about it from all the teams I've worked with in the last 20 years on which teams did this well, which even lines, whether it's attacking or midi or defensive line and group, um, which classes did it well. And I'm, I'm thinking about the, the people that didn't really rock this area of having your teammates back, not to say that they didn't have their teammates back in many ways, but just this this one specific um, point where the people that were in it with the team, but then had, you know, an idea that if I get the following stats, it will serve me in this way, right? Maybe I'll become an All-American or I'll get an award or I'll be a known name um, in our program. And the people that 
really owned this were the ones that did just what you said were the starters who said, we're going to go up and our bench players are going to get to play because of it. Or I'm not even going to get a goal in this game. I'm going to set up this other player uh, on the field because she doesn't typically get to score, even though this is maybe an easier game or a situation where I could score a lot. So very interesting to reflect on where I've seen teams do well with this and where I've seen teams or players, individuals uh, struggle with this particular point. It's definitely neat to see how players grow over time, because I think a lot of times you see, you see that unwillingness to sacrifice for others a lot in the younger ages where there's a mindset around, I have to score this goal. The goal is important. Whereas kind of later on, and especially as you start to get into those higher levels of sport where the team, in order for a team to be successful, it can't be one superstar. It's got to be a team working together. You really start to see people buying into this idea of, I helped with that goal because I set a pick. I helped with that goal because I cut through. Like you start to see people who are like, my name may not be in the stat line for that goal, but I feel good about it because I set my teammate up to be successful which is one of those things that's hard to teach at younger ages, but the older players get, the more athletes start to realize that as long as the team is successful, then I am successful within it. Yeah. It's that we over me mentality. It's when you've developed a really great culture and everyone's performance is just as important as whatever glorified part of that performance is, whether it's that final goal or, you know, a great draw or an interception. Um, it has really taken every other person to get them there, including people on the sideline, including the, the trainers. It's that, that bigger perspective. Absolutely. So moving on to the second commitment of ha- the second commitment of having your teammates back says, we will be there for you no matter what. Your teammates will never face a difficult situation alone because you will be by their side they know they can count on you. What do you think of that, Coach? Well, I think that that is uh, innately desirable for women uh, because we have this idea of wanting to be connected and showing up for each other. We have this kind of emotional IQ that we are typically dialed into. Um, And I think what it comes down to is that sacrifice we talked about, which means that I will be there for you no matter what, even if it causes me to have to change my plans or do something different. And um, we get into the next module, we'll talk a little bit about doing something once versus doing something 10 times versus doing something 100 times versus doing something 1,000 times and the amount of trust that you can build with that. Um, And it says in the book here, the kind of supportive culture that encourages you and your teammates to stretch and challenge yourself because you know your teammate will be there for you. So it's not this, I'll be there for you if you, uh, you know, score a goal uh, when we need it. It's, I'll be there for you when you make the mistake. I'll be there for you when you score the goal because I understand that it's a journey. So uh, teams and coaches that have created great culture have this, we, this is how we are, what we do, no matter what. There's a great quote, quote in here by Coach K from the Duke men's basketball team. And he says, I believe in you. These four words can mean the difference between fear of failure and the courage to try. I think that that I will be there for you, whether you have done something really well or whether you tried and failed or whether you're having a good day or a bad day are what really is the glue to really great cultures. Do you have any experience with that? Definitely. It's, you know, I've played for teams with super, super strong culture. And I played with teams with not quite as strong of culture. And I think the thing that was really, really apparent uh, on the difference between a team with a strong culture and a team with a not so strong culture is on a team with a strong culture, if someone makes a mistake um, and that can be on the field or off the field, If someone makes a mistake on a team with a strong culture, your teammates will hold you accountable because they know you are better. 
they will bring you up to the level that you're expected to be at and to live and train and compete at the level that they know you to, you know, reside at. Whereas on teams with a, you know, not so strong culture, you kind of see one of two things happen. So either you will make a mistake on or off the field and your teammates will just say, wow, what a screw up. And then just kind of shun that person, whoever did it, or that person becomes the scapegoat now whenever something goes wrong. So, you know, you kind of see one of two things where they, that person either becomes an outcast or that person becomes a scapegoat. Uh, whereas on a strong culture, it's you made a mistake. Okay, we'll fix it. We're going to move forward and we're going to show you grace because at some point all of us will or have made a mistake um, and we'll move forward with it. So it's something I've kind of noticed between the difference between kind of a championship culture versus a team that's kind of struggling in that culture area is how do you respond when a teammate makes a mistake and how do you treat that teammate to, you know, bring them back into the fold? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I was looking at it more from a, here's what we do. So you're talking about the accountability component, which I think is so important because naturally, like I said, you know, being there for someone, no matter what can be a natural tendency of um, women and young ladies, because we want to have that emotional um, investment in each other. But accountability is a whole other flip side of it because sometimes, you know, it, it is not the right thing to say, oh, no, that's fine. You know, maybe it wasn't fine. You really were supposed to do X, Y, and Z and you fell short and I want to hold you accountable and love you. So the thing that is kind of weaving through this as we're talking about it is it's so important to have a foundation of love and trust between your team. And when we're talking about teammates that have your back or are you the kind of person that has your teammates back? It does not necessarily mean someone that you want to go to the movies with on the weekend or spend lots of time with or that you would call every time you have a problem. It's bigger than that. It's really who is there on a consistent basis doing the right thing for you and for your team. Who's someone that's doing that again and again with the right cultural um infusion to what you need. So whether it is I'm going to provide accountability or I'm going to provide elevation, there are different things that you need to provide in different situations. And some are natural to us and some are not. So it's also that idea that it's not just me, it's we. I may not want to or feel like holding you accountable because that's uncomfortable for me, but I know that's what you need. And that builds a really strong culture. I like the way you brought that up. And then kind of moving, segueing pretty smoothly into that next one is uh, commitment number three, we will never let you be blindsided. So oftentimes your teammates will need to be intently focused on their specific responsibilities and roles, and they're not going to be able to see all the things coming at them in their periphery or from behind that could harm or injure them. So as an accountable teammate, you refuse to let them be blindsided by opponents in your sport, but you also make sure they aren't blindsided by situations in life as well. You will keep your teammates informed of issues that might impact them. So I think about something like this, and it can be as simple as communicating with your teammate that someone is about to set a pick on them, or it could be as difficult as addressing you know, some of their behaviors or different rumors or gossip and addressing that head on and not letting it fester or not letting it go on behind their back. What do you think about that? Yeah, again, I think there's the physical component that is just as important as the emotional and cultural component, performance and culture. Um, in our club, as you know, we have a performance culture matrix. So how do we show up from a performance standpoint? You know, this is what I say when a pick is coming. And this is what I say when I know that you are not, you know, doing your best and, you need to elevate so that you're not blindsided when you when you lose your starting spot, right? So I think there are two components to every um, point we have here, one being the performance element and one being the, the cultural, um, emotional element to how we're handling it. 
Um, but I think if, if we are just walking away and saying, oh, they'll figure it out, you know, we're, we're kind of just on the sideline versus being fully invested in with our teammates. I love the way that you brought up the performance side of that, uh, because I feel like that's something that as a teammate can be really hard to say to one of your teammates, um, especially, you know, you can see if they're having an off game. You can see if they're kind of not being as disciplined the way they normally would. And I think it's one of those things that can be challenging, uh, especially because your teammates are often your friends. They are within your social circle. They're someone who, you know, whose feelings you care about. And the last thing you want to tell them is like, hey, dude, it just seems like you're not working as hard or it just seems like you're not being as disciplined. And, you know, I'm afraid you might not get as much time as you want because of those things. Um, and that can be a hard conversation for players to have with someone who's a teammate, someone who's a friend. And I think that that is something that it can be so important because at that point, you can then be someone who can offer to help, you know, especially if it's something that's performance related, like, Hey buddy, I noticed that you're really only shooting high. Do you want to come take some shots with me and work on some hitting low corners after practice. You know, it can be as simple as, Hey, let me help you. Um, or just even making them aware of that. So that way either it doesn't come to a coach having to say something to them. And they're like, I have no idea where this is coming from. Like you can stop it before it gets to that point. If that makes sense. Yeah. Someone, whether they're lucky enough to have a coach or someone else come to them, if, if a teammate or a friend did not, um, it feels pretty isolating. You feel like you had the the rug pulled out from underneath you. And uh, Kitty, you and I talk about it a lot, that when we see something that's off, we always start from that place of love. What happened? I'm worried about you. Why didn't you show up? Hey, is something going on in your life? You seem unfocused. You used to do three, take 300 shots before practice. I know you've stopped. You know, do, Can I join you? Do you want to do it together? Will that make it easier? So Always when we want to start with that accountability, if we come from that place of caring, we can always start with the and lead in with the idea of, you know, I'm worried about you or I want to help or I've noticed or here's where you usually are and here's what I'm seeing. You know, what's going on? I think that's a that's an easy segue to help people understand where you're coming from when you have some of those tough conversations. And really, that goes right into his next point, which is we will be behind you and have you covered. So, you know, maybe someone will at some point be blindsided by news, whether that's on the field, off the field, um, or they'll just make a mistake on the field. They will miss their mark. They will run the wrong play. You know, lots of things will happen. But a part of being an accountable teammate, a part of having your teammates back is saying, we'll be behind you and we will have you covered. So we believe in you. If you happen to make a mistake, we will be there to cover for you, not cover up for you. And this kind of supportive culture really encourages you and your teammates to stretch and challenge yourselves because you know that your teammates will be there. And it's something that I really... I love it's super apparent when you watch defenses because when a defense trusts each other as a unit and they trust their goalkeeper and they trust every girl who's around there, they are able to play so much more fearlessly. They are so much bolder when they trust that their teammates have their back than when they don't know if a slide is going to be there or if the backup is going to be there. And it's something that I really love to see. Um, on a defensive side of the ball is just how much more fearless people can play when they can trust that their teammates are behind them and are covering for them. Yeah. And that happens. We see it in games and we also see it in practice. So if you know that your teammate has your back, you can try something. It's going to alleviate stress and anxiety, even if it's in a practice and it's going to allow for growth and creativity. So if we are worried and in stress, we are in that fight or flight mode, which is only going to allow us a few options. Whereas if we feel supported and uh, cared for, then we are able to, to grow and challenge ourselves and act and 
a creative way. Um, on the attacking side, you see it when a team goes, you know, tries a play or tries something new and uh, they're unsuccessful. And then all of those attackers ride hard for their teammate to get the ball back. So I think we see it, you know, on both sides of the field in different ways. And um, it's really a, a momentum builder and changer when your teammates are there to support you. So it's an interesting statistic as well when we look at, hey, here's something that someone tried. But here's that whole group of people, you know, we play lacrosse, which means on either side of the ball, there's seven players. So one person making a mistake and six people showing up to have her back is a pretty, pretty powerful backup plan. Definitely. If, if you have a whole team bought in, whether you lose the ball on the attacking end or the defending end, I feel bad for the other team when they pick it up. If you've got a ton of people who have each other's back, they're going to have nowhere to go when they pick that ball up. And you want people that are rallying for you and rooting for you, right, to try something new. If you're someone who has, you know, put your team at a deficit because you're not fully emotionally involved, you're not physically involved all the time, definitely people aren't going to rally for you. It goes back to, you know, what you were saying, am I the person who is always there for you? Who will have you covered? Who's got your back? You know, if you're not that person, it's going to be pretty reasonable to expect that others won't be that person for you. Um, but when we have the culture where people are really rising for each other and elevating, supporting each other, uh, that's when we really see those amazing things happen, like Coach K said. Definitely. And really that idea of, you know, your teammates having your back. So that was commitment number four. Commitment number five is we will pick you up when you fall. And in a championship culture, when someone falls to the floor because they dove for a loose ball, made a tough tackle, ran into a fence trying to catch a foul ball, or, you know, just messed up and made a mistake, you see practically the whole team run over, pick them up, and help them get back up. And it unmistakably communicates that that player's teammates appreciated their effort and valued their contribution um, and we're there to pick them up when they fell. And I think that there's something that's so powerful behind that, because when someone gives their best effort and makes a mistake, or even if they don't necessarily make a mistake, but they gave their best effort and still fell short of whatever their goal was, they're immediately placed in this position of vulnerability where they're kind of like fight or flight instincts are taking over and they are ready to you know, defend themselves, come up with an excuse for why whatever it was happened. And if instead a teammate uses that moment where, you know, your teammate is already feeling down, they're already feeling vulnerable. And instead of attacking them for that thing that they already feel vulnerable for, if a teammate were to use that as an opportunity to build them up, hey, buddy, you got the next one, uh, and really encourage them instead of tearing them down with a, you know, why did you make that mistake? Why did you shoot high to high? Why did you do this or that? If you can use that as an opportunity to build them up and encourage them, they're more likely to grow from that experience. Whereas if you tear them down, they're kind of immediately going to start to shrink in and just try and protect themselves from that criticism even more. So, you know, I like this idea that, you know, in a great culture, when someone falls, everyone's picking them back up. Because really, they have to realize that in order for the team to be successful, they need that person to be successful. And that person's not going to be successful going forward if they're still wrapped up in the mistake that they just made. Yeah, that's right. And I think these, uh, these rules or guideposts are really simple ways to remind you of how we act. We have got you covered. We will pick you up when you fall, right? And it's just what everybody does somebody falls down, somebody makes a mistake, somebody has trouble. So we just keep showing up for you. And then certainly that builds this culture of we've got each other, uh, each other's back always. And here's how we show up, show it and grow together. Really when we can do that as a team, when we can grow together and, and have each other's back, we just provide much, much, much more power within our group and our culture. Got it. That support is really such a big thing um, that just really it helps people to grow. You know, when you're not afraid to make a mistake because you know you have that support of your teammates, 
it, it really helps people to grow into the best version of themselves for their team. And I think an important component to that is there's no hierarchy of who gets the support and who doesn't, because we're all starting from a different place. Maybe you have a teammate who switched positions. And so, you know, she regressed in some areas. That doesn't mean that we're only focused on the highest performer in her category. It means that everybody gets that support. Everybody is on this team. Everybody's deserving. And this is how we show up for everybody. Yep. And Jeff Jansen's sixth commitment was actually, we will support you through the tough times. So when your teammates are in a difficult or vulnerable position, you need to be there for them. Having their back means supporting them through the inevitable tough times. And tough times will happen on and off the field. But really, the thing that I've noticed is teams often build trust and cohesiveness on the field through the way they support their teammates off the field. What is what has your experience been with that? Yeah, I think if we have the opportunity off the field to know each other and there is like an underlying um, current that aside from this sport, you're a great person and I care for you. That is so much easier when something goes wrong on the field and you're holding someone accountable that is an aside from how much I care for you. So you've already built that foundation of, of trust and support so that when things go wrong on the field and when you know we're talking in a way, we have always talk differently in sports. You have to communicate with a loud, um, very specific tone so that you can communicate and not, you don't have time to talk things through necessarily. It's very quick communication. Then sometimes that can get heated on the field, which you know we wanna understand how we're talking to each other. But if we've already off the field built the, this network within our team of, of caring for each person and showing up for them um, with everything they have going on in their life, then it's much easier to, to work through the hard times on the field. In the college game, it's been really cool to see it uh, in the sense that, you know, we've got players who are all at different points in their academic career. And what's always neat to see is when you see maybe someone who's an upperclassman, maybe a junior or senior, who maybe doesn't have a super strong relationship at first with one of the underclassmen, but all of a sudden you find out that, you know, hey, so-and-so struggling in this class or that class and this upperclassman offers to help them with it. And all of a sudden you start to see this new connection form on the field that was never there before, you know, this person had helped them with this class that was in their major and given them some advice or before this person had helped them through roommate troubles. You know, it's always really neat to see how, you know, this seemingly unrelated to sport uh, interaction contributed to so much stronger of a connection on the field. And I always think that's super fun to see. Yeah, that is always so nice. And if you kind of go through, especially if you're an upperclassman or a coach, you know, their kids, people on this team are going to have trouble in school, you know, maybe with someone in their family, maybe with a, a partner, a boyfriend or a girlfriend they're going to have trouble with um, and just checking in. Hey, how are things going? How are your, how's your family doing? Hey, I noticed you uh, were in this class. How's that going? That's a tough teacher, right? Or, you know, starting off beginning of junior year in, uh, in high school is typically tar- hard or a freshman year in college is typically hard. So just checking in, especially in those predictable areas, um, people will also start to build those relationships and open up more. That's a really important thing to do. And number seven. So moving on to number seven is we will never leave you behind. So having your teammates back means You will never leave them, especially if they are in a difficult or dangerous situation. Teammates don't let teammates get into dangerous situations. And if they somehow do, they evacuate them as quickly and safely as possible. What do you think about that, Coach Dewey? Yeah, you know, this is a a conversation I've had with my high school teams every year right around, you know, some big social gatherings, whether it's prom or... Um, something that's going on in the fall where, you know, I just thought, hey, when I was this age, sometimes, you know, there were social situations that could get teenagers in trouble or could get college kids in trouble. 
And it was just that reminder to all of my players that, hey, we're a team and it's bigger than just this sport. And we want to make sure that we always have each other's back through whatever we're all involved in. And here are some things that could happen, just like we practice a play to get a goal. You also have to think through the things that could happen in your life um, to make sure that you're on the right track. And we all know that people are going to make a bad decision here and there. And like you said, we are not going to participate in anything that's going to take our, our teammate down a bad path. We are going to help to get them out of situations. And that's part of holding people accountable and part of supporting people. So the reality is that there will be people on your team throughout your life who make decisions that, you know, maybe are irrelevant of what you have going on in the field that, you know, put them in a, in a bad spot and we care for our teammates. And so we never leave them behind. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's one of those things where at some point in our lives, like we will all make a poor decision and we hope at that time that, you know, when we are not acting as our best version of ourselves, that we will have a friend or a teammate who's there to kind of take us out of that situation or remove us or talk some sense into us in those kinds of situations. But remember, in order for you to have a teammate who would do that for you, you owe it to your teammates to be able to be that person for them. You know, be that person who can remind them of that best version of who they are in the moments where they maybe they made a mistake or they are in a dangerous situation. You know, be the kind of teammate who you would want to be there for you in the event that something went wrong or, you know, you were in a bad situation. Yeah, I think that's a great one. And it uh, kind of segues into number eight. We will not gossip or talk about you behind your back. So we have to be that person. We have to build that trust, right? Um, we've talked about it in a previous podcast about the 24-hour rule, where if we are not dealing with something within 24 hours, we are committed to letting it go. This idea that if someone is not in the room when we are talking, saying their name, talking about them, that it's probably gossip. And uh, in kindergarten, which I teach, we say, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? So we think before we speak. And if you think about what you're saying in that way, it's pretty hard to gossip. And I think gossip is, especially on a girl's side of sports, one of the easiest ways to crush your culture and take away all the hard work you've put into supporting your teammates. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. And it's really, it becomes the issue where I think that there's there's times where as a teammate, you may have very valid frustrations and concerns about one of your teammates' behaviors or actions. Like that, is, there will be times during your career where you have very valid frustrations and concerns. Here is where the problem comes in, is the problem comes in is when instead of taking those frustrations or those concerns to that teammate, you take them instead to someone else on the team. And now in that moment, you have taken away your trust with the teammate you were just talking about, because as soon as they find out about it, they're going to be like, dude, why didn't you tell me you were feeling this way? Why didn't you tell me I said something that was insensitive or hurtful? Um, or was acting in a way that was insensitive or hurtful. And you're also going to mess up the relationship with the person you're talking to. Because when you gossip and you start talking about someone else behind their back to someone, that person who you are talking to is now wondering what you are going to say to other people about them when they leave the room. So really, it's so important, not just because you're going to mess up the relationship of the person you're talking about and maybe frustrated with, but you're going to put a strain on the relationship with the person you are talking to. Right. I couldn't agree more. And uh, just be truthful with your word, be honorable and be careful what you say. It's really, really important uh, for us to remember as we're, we're building a great culture within our team. All right. Number nine, number nine, along those same lines, as far as gossip is this idea that we will defend you when others criticize you. You will likely find yourself in situations 
where other people from outside your team may criticize one of your teammates. Many times people that are making those kinds of remarks are doing so in an effort to draw you in in the hopes that you're going to agree with them and kind of reveal even more dirt and dissension on your own team. So really as important as it is for you to not be a source of gossip, it's also imperative that you don't allow yourself to be someone who others feel safe gossiping to. So don't allow those who aren't in the trenches every day working hard with you at practice, you know, giving their all with you. You know, those are your teammates. Those are who's in the trenches with you. Don't let people who are outside of that sow dissension um, and kind of these ill feelings among you and your teammates. They are not there every day with you. Don't give them that power to make you feel, you know, ill towards your teammate. I think this is a, can be a confusing point even in high school or middle school ball. You know, as a parent, I may ask um, one of my kids, hey, what's up with so-and-so? They just don't seem to be doing as well on the field as they were. You know, last week they were scoring uh, five points a game and, and this week they seem to be down or, you know, you should be starting over that person. Have you talked to your coach? Really, that's unhelpful for um, anyone to kind of, like you said, talk badly about someone else. So whether that feels like as a parent, I am helping my own kid, what it really boils down to is I'm talking about another kid. So I have to focus on what's in my power, which is helping my own kids through it versus talking about what others are doing. And uh, I really like Jeff Jansen had a great way, a phrase that you could use if someone comes to you and is talking about how someone else on your team did or any kind of gossip. He says, we win as a team and we lose as a team. And we are always trying to get better as a team. So it's a way of kind of pivoting on that and saying, it's not about him or just about me. It's about us. And like we talked about, one of the first um, commitments to this, having your teammates back is you fail, we fail, right? Versus having an excuse for one person uh, on why they failed. I like that. I really, really like that. And that kind of takes us to our last of our 10 commitments. So the last of those commitments is we will never undermine or betray you. So really, this is the ultimate form of disloyalty. And it's kind of the quickest way to destroy a team from the inside. You know, this kind of calculated betrayal completely and really often irreparably destroys trust. So when disloyalty occurs within a team, all of a sudden, instead of everyone looking to have each other's back, they become concerned about their own back because they're worried about kind of getting stabbed in the back by their own teammate. You know, so really it's one of those things to worry is like when you are on a team, you are defending yourselves from those who are outside. But if you are on a team, you cannot be the person who undermines or betrays your teammates' trust because that is really even worse than anyone outside of your team criticizing your team. Especially when you've done all the things we've talked about all nine prior to this and you've worked hard to create a place where people can make a mistake, be vulnerable, learn and grow. Anytime we're at our most vulnerable, it is a space where people could judge you. And if you have, as a coach or as a leader or as a, as a member of a team, worked really hard to create a space where people can try new things and be challenged and grow and people undermine you at your you know, weakest, I'm not sure if there's a better way to say that when we're, when we're being vulnerable, your most vulnerable times, um, it, it really is is a, uh, a terrible thing to do, you know, when, we're, when we've created a culture where people can try and fail and fall and get back up and get better and grow through that. If we are undermining people in a place where they can do that, we are, um, we've opened ourselves up. And uh, certainly the first thing people will, will do is retreat. And like you said, I think irreparable would be a great way to, to put that because if we've opened ourselves up in that way, uh, it's a pretty tough thing to then, you know, go on and, and uh, repair. In our family, we say, 
trust is like money in the bank. And once you take it out, it's gone and you have to work hard to put it back in. And this would be like taking a lot of money out of the bank, I think, in this situation. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of those things. I mean, in my family, it's there is nothing in this life that you could do so wrong that lying about it wouldn't be worse. You know, so that idea that like once you kind of get rid of trust, probably worse than anything else, because anything else, it's easy to show grace for in that sense, you know, like at any point it's like, okay, we can, we can move forward. But when you undermine trust within, you know, a team, a unit, a family, that's where, you know, you start to see a lot of trouble because at that point it's like, okay, I don't know if, you know, you made this mistake or if you did something malicious. I don't know, you know, if this was, you know, an innocent shortcoming or if you really were trying to, you know, hurt me by doing this thing or that thing. Uh, So, you know, the trust is paramount. And I really think this whole book is coming down to this idea of, you know, can you be someone that your teammates can trust? Can you be someone who they can look to and know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I think the good thing about, about thinking of it that way is you sure can, but it requires a great deal of awareness and thoughtfulness and understanding how you're going to act and react uh, and respond in different situations. So it's as simple as understanding these points. I will sacrifice. I will be there for you. I will not let you get blindsided. I'm behind you and I have you covered. I'll pick you up when you fall. I'll support you through tough times. I won't leave you behind. I won't gossip about you. I'll defend you if others criticize you and I won't undermine or betray you. So the, the um, idea that you can do all of these things. And if, even if we backtrack to the very beginnings, which is rock your role, we're going to sum it up again in the, um, the final chapter. We'll get back to a lot of uh, the foundation of the beginning of this book, but it's really that awareness of, hey, if I know how this can affect my team, I'm moving forward with, you know, this is what I am doing to invest in my team, or this is what I'm choosing to do, to do which will undermine my team. So I think that's just so important to have that awareness of if I do these things, I could be extremely successful in these areas. At the end of the book, he talks about the former Florida State football coach, Coach Bowden. And Coach Bowden had a a little talk he did with his team, and he called it the Hold the Rope Challenge. And I would just like to read to you what it says here. It says, Coach Bowden says, what does holding the rope mean? You are hanging from the edge of the cliff 500 yards in the air. The only thing between you and falling to the ground is a piece of rope with a person of your choice on the other end. Who do you know that you can trust enough? Who do you know who has enough guts to withstand the rope burn, watch blood drip from his or her hands and not let go? Look around and ask, who can I trust to hold the rope? Who will let his hands bleed for me? If you can look at every member of your team and say they will hold the rope, then your team will win. What do you think about that? You know, I think it... If you can get a team full of people who have their back that strongly and who have each other's back that strongly, I think that you have a very powerful culture there. That's not to say you're going to have the most talented team in the world. That's not to say that you're going to win a national championship. But that is to say that that is a team that will go out and perform to the best of their capabilities because they do it for each other. And I think that that's pretty powerful. And I think it was something that uh, Bobby Bowden definitely capitalized when he was coaching at Florida State because they were incredibly successful in that time. And it wasn't necessarily, do they have the most talent? It was a lot of culture building. And it's one of the things you actually hear it. People talk about Dabo Sweeney's teams now at Clemson, but there is a culture of, you know, trust and respect. And I will have my teammates back no matter what at those kinds of programs and you know whether they have the most talent or not they end up being incredibly successful but also this culture 
is bred through there of we are a family and we do this for each other. And I think that that is such a cool, cool idea of we are here to serve each other, regardless of what that means for me. That may mean that, you know, my hands will bleed and I will suffer in some way. But if I can serve and help you, that's incredible. Right. And it goes back to that foundation of caring. You know, you won't betray someone you you care about. You won't criticize the people you love because, you know, you're coming from a place of love. You're not going to gossip or talk badly about the people that you care for and love. You're not going to leave them behind. So I think if we have that foundation of I'm going to care for and love my teammates and love my team, it's pretty easy to do all of these things. Don't you think? Definitely. I think it's, I actually, I won't say that. I don't think it's easy. I think it's simple. So it is not always going to be easy to have your teammates back. It's not always going to be easy to accept your role. It's not always going to be easy to, you know, keep your commitments, but it is going to be simple. And I think that that's the part that can make people uncomfortable is this idea of like, I want to be a good teammate, but it's hard. It is hard to be that person who's going to say, you know what, I can't have this conversation right now because it's gossip and I won't do it behind my teammates back. That's not an easy conversation to have. You know, it's not always easy to own your role when it's not something you want to do, but it is simple. So I think the more that we can keep things simple, the easier it can become. Well, I think we got to end right there, coach. You, you just crushed it. Not easy, but simple. Love your teammates, folks. All righty, guys. We will catch you next week with our final week going through Jeff Jansen's The Teammates Accountability Manual. We can't wait to kind of close this year's Leadership Academy out with you guys. And we hope that, you know, you've taken something from this week that you can take back to your teams and you can work on to be a better teammate to your teams. Thank you guys for hopping on with us today. Thank you, Coach Gooey. We'll talk to you guys soon.